Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Dirt Radio. I'm your host, Phil Evans, and we're broadcasting live from NAM, also known as Melbourne on the Kulin Nations, and just wanted to pay my respect to Elders past and present and acknowledge the important role that um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders play in the environment movement and social justice movements. It has been a huge week since uh, we last uh, heard you on the airwaves. Um, it's been a really, really busy, busy, busy time at Friends of the Earth, uh, who uh, sponsor the Dirt Radio Show on 3CR. Uh, we've had, over the weekend, uh, an, a public event up at Maryborough, which is up in the seat of Ripon, um, a few hours north of Melbourne. And uh, we had the Climate Minister, Lily D'Ambrosio, come up to a packed house full of uh, people who were out eager to hear about how they could save uh, money on their bills whilst also fighting climate change, which everyone wants to hear a way to do that. Um, there was a huge announcement made over the weekend, um, which was really testament to the great work that the Act on Climate Collective have been doing, where Lily D'Ambrosio announced $4.7 million grant scheme uh, that allows community uh, to kickstart climate adaptation and mitigation um, programs, which is really, really exciting to see the government start to acknowledge that uh, it's important to put this money into climate change mitigation and adaptation as we uh, put pressure on as we move towards the next budget season as we try to get Victoria's first climate budget out from the Andrews government. Also um, around at Friends of the Earth, uh, people may have seen um, we've stepped back into the forest space um, with the addition of a couple of uh, new campaigners and a new collective at FOE. Um, if you're interested in getting involved around forest stuff, you can do that every second Thursday. So this Thursday at 6.30, there is a meeting and you can get along and find out how to get involved. They've just had another significant little game where um, uh, some of uh, the great uh, grassroots folks out at Hermitage Creek had been out there looking around and doing some spotlighting and notice some uh, greater gliders in the uh, Hermitage Creek King's Coop in, uh, in Talangi. That has meant that Lily D'Ambrosio has been forced to stop logging um, out there, which is great. But there are other habitats that are now at risk from, uh, from logging and uh, they contain greater gliders too. So we're asking people if they can pick up the phone um, maybe after the show finishes and call Lily's office on 03-9637-9504 and let her know that you're really concerned about the uh, habitat of the greater gliders. If you'd like a couple of talking points, you can log on to melbourne.fo.org.au and check that out so you can uh, get a few talking points and get across the issue a little bit more but it'd be great if you could pick up the phone and let her know that this is an important issue to you. So I want to thank uh, Making Contact for a fantastic show on before us and coming up after a couple of community service announcements we're going to uh, talk to Suze Shalom who Sholem, sorry, who <laughs> I'm getting corrected here in the studio, um, who is a, a, a longtime activist and a, and a real mentor in the community who's been talking a lot about system change and about sustainable activism, something that we don't often associate with each other. 
Joining me in the studio today is Suze Scholem, um, who is a longtime activist, a part of um, many different collectives, including Doing It Ourselves. Uh, she's part of Plan to Thrive. We've been doing some fantastic work in the sustainable activism space and also is a part of a really interesting project called The Really, Really Free Market. So if you jump on Facebook now and look up uh, Dirt Radio on on the Facebook, then you'll find the uh, link to the event so you can find out where that is on Sunday. But we'll talk to Suze a little bit more about that in a moment. I want to welcome Suze to the studio. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, one of the uh, highlights for me um, from the recent Students of Sustainability conference that was held up in Newcastle by the Australian Student Environment Network was a workshop that you held um, in conjunction with a few other people, just to give them the acknowledgement as Indeed. well. Indeed. Um, and it was, <laughs> it was around how do we achieve system change? And the, the conversation was really per pertinent to me and kind of really inspired me a lot and made me feel like I was I was sitting on the right track, which is a rare thing to go into a, a discussion <laughs> like that. Um, and you were kind of went through uh, a bit of the strategy around system change. Before we kind of unpick, unpack that a little bit, mm. um, I was wondering, could you maybe help our listeners out and really define what is systems change? Ah, good question. Um, system change. I suppose the best way to speak about system change for me is really in talking about parallels between like different types of activism. So really a lot of activist groups these days are focused on single issues because that's really best where one, they're most passionate and two, where they feel they can affect the most change um, and for a variety of other reasons. But system change sort of speaks about the different um, paradigms in society that maybe might be keeping all of those um, issues actually undercurrent, it's the intersections of all of that stuff, for want of a better word. Um, so looking at um, systems of oppression that ripple throughout society, I mean, I'm going to name it and say capitalism is a huge part of it. Um, but yeah, really doing it ourselves, which is one of the main groups that I'm a part of, um, wants to focus on system change because we see that as undercurrent to all of the other stuff. So whilst other groups are out there focusing on you know, animal rights or human rights, refugees, Indigenous affairs, um, we're sort of seeing the system change approach as necessary to combat all of those things. So supporting each and every one of those single issues campaigns and activist groups but also really campaigning for broader change within society because it's all of those broader issues that really affect the smaller ones yeah absolutely and flashback two years and naomi campbell's oh sorry naomi klein's book naomi mm. campbell <laughs> <laughs> different person entirely <laughs> naomi klein's book um this changes everything this kind of uh discourse was like mm. hot on the lips of everyone why do you think it's not anymore Oh, I think it kind of still is. That for me was one of the reasons why SOS um, was so exciting. I suppose much like you, I felt surrounded by a group of people who were all really excited about system change and really seeing it as a necessary way forward. Um, there was a lot of people in that room. I feel like a few years ago, actually, it was a really different dialogue where everyone wasn't wasn't thinking about system change as much. And do you have to thank Naomi Clamble slash Klein <laughs> for um, for at least sort of popularising this dialogue? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not the only person doing it, of course. There's a lot of other groups out there and people mm. that are pushing pushing that narrative, but it's it's really necessary. Um, yeah. 
So in the conversation that was had at Students of Sustainability, you kind of um, unpacked the the way that, our, you know, strategies that we can use to get towards system change and had it like nicely packaged in this kind of little three pointers. Um, I wonder if you could go through them with us. Totally. Um, we've done quite a bit of work on strategy, as I'm sure yeah. you would be well familiar with um, <laughs> at FO. But, yeah, so we've basically got a three-pronged approach because we think that there are different aspects that we want to be focused on and that are are wise for systemic change. Um, First one is to engage the community to talk about the harmful systems in society because there are undercurrent intersections that really affect how um, oppressive the system can be and it's important to, to talk about that. Um, so wanting to engage the people to engage the people, the people need to be engaged, um, engaging people to talk about those harmful systems and encouraging resistance against them, um, actively encouraging ongoing resistance. And third is to inspire people to take part in empowering alternatives because they do exist and they're growing and we want people to know what they are so that they can work towards living the better system that we want to see now. Sure. And and one of the reasons this really resonated well with me was at Friends of the Earth, we have, um, much like uh, most people in the world, a three-word slogan, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is mobilise, resist and transform. And, you know, for, for me, like listening to you uh, actually like uh, talk about that three-pronged attack really got me mm. thinking about um, the work that, the, uh, that Friends of the Earth is doing across the spectrum. Mm. Um, those words may not be so familiar with um, each pe- with uh, everyone around. Um, you spoke a little bit about resistance. I mean, can you give me some examples where you've seen some resistance movements happen around? Oh, gosh, so many. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> last week or the week before, um, doing it ourselves and a group called Evo Lens took part in a protest against G20 and that was a creative culture jam action to encourage resistance against the neoliberalist um narrative I suppose and um, then we've got all of the you know indigenous protests the protests for Elijah and all of the other um, warriors um, the war campaigns mm. um, there's oh, there's forest work there's you know environmental action on a whole there's so many different prongs of resistance I suppose that it would be really important for people to think about what they're passionate about and go research what's going on in that area because there's something for you to get involved in no doubt absolutely and and one of the interesting things about our uh, resistance work as a, is that uh, it, it's kind of probably really familiar to lots of people like mm. you know the people going out there and basically saying no mm. yeah <laughs> this very is, much this is not acceptable anymore yeah. but um but uh, the, the kind of third approach that you're talking about um, we call transform. Mm. I like the, the sound bite there. <laughs> like that you've synthesized it down to three words. Yeah. We've got three sentences. We're working on that. <laughs> well, we've got 40 years. That is a <laughs> yeah, that true that. <laughs> so, so we talk about it in terms of transform. So why we say yes, uh, no to something uh, in, in, in our resistance work. Um, we mm. also say yes to, uh, to better alternatives. Mm. Um, for us, like, you know, it can be as simple as like looking at uh, two different collectives. So we have uh, the Quick Coal Collective, but we have the Yes to Renewables. Mm. collective which kind of you know a, a, a one-two punch if you will like. yeah very good i like the yes no approach <laughs> yeah um and essentially we support those people doing that work as opposed to not necessarily getting involved in in that work ourselves always mm. um although a lot of doing it ourselves folk do individually participate in such collectives sure i, I was wondering um 
you know, that's a kind of really like basic kind of look at it. Um, mm. I think some of the transformative work that um, doing it ourselves have been um, engaged in is is and 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 allies as well, and the work that um, mm. is promoted through the um, wonderful zines that you can pick up if you ever <laughs> see doing it ourselves around. Um, which you will at the Anarchist Book Fair, I imagine. Indeed, you will. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wondered if you could uh, maybe just give us a few more examples of transformative work that you've seen around in the community. Oh gosh. Um, some really exciting transformative work that's going on is um, building of alternatives. You know, I would reference things like local food security, for example, through projects like, you know, a lot of people are familiar with the Urban Food Street up in Queensland. Um, down here in Melbourne, we've got a sort of similar equivalent with the Gnomes Farming Collective. That's sort of, you know, encouraging sharing between people who have land and people who don't have land that want to garden and grow their own food. That's an interesting example of an alternative. Um, there's so many different alternatives happening down here. Melbourne's a pretty exciting place to be in terms of alternative building. Um, I'd reference, you know, worker-run cooperatives like Earthworker, for example, in terms of like building that new um, worker movement. Um, I'm just trying to think of Dan putting me on the spot, Phil. <laughs> Not at all. I was kind of hoping you might um, actually bring up the really, really free market. Oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> plug my own project. <laughs> that whole thing. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so the really, really free market is uh, an amazing alternative, I suppose, and um, I'm just a part of the organising crew, but it's really a community-run and community-driven mm. event that's created by everyone who comes together each time it pops up. So essentially it's a... a not-for-profit um, alternative economy pop-up project. So every month on the fourth Sunday of every month in Preston, a group of people come together to share their resources, their skills, have fun together, eat food together, and it's a really fantastic time. We've got one coming up this Sunday from 10 till 2 um, on the Preston bike path, uh, just where St George's Road hits my road. Mm. So if you're interested in checking out what we're about, jump on Facebook and look up the really, really free market Preston. Um yeah, the really, really free market is very exciting to me. I really enjoy being a part of it. It's such a great community that comes together each time and we're, you know, doing awesome things like running a classless room, which is skill sharing and knowledge sharing between people. We've got great um, people coming together and running an arts and crafts space. There's a movie tent to, like, cuddle away from the cold and get your winter warms on with some chai. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> it sounds very appetising this morning. <laughs> it doesn't suggest. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, it's a beautiful project and I really encourage people to check it out. And if you're not so much around Preston, there's another one in Bendigo. Um, and there's similar sort of initiatives that pop up occasionally in Footscray. There's things like the Repair Cafe um, and there's lots of different collectives around Melbourne doing sort of rad things in the regard of alternative economies. So, like, having a look at um, things like Friends with Things, Street Bank is another really good example, um, I suppose, to capitalise on Facebook. You know, there's things like Rough Trade and so forth where people are trading with one another and seeing those sort of alternative um, alternatives pop up is really exciting. There's some really great communities communities sure um and, and it, it, once again like resonating really well with the the work of foe like you know like for us uh around it our friends of the earth we're really aware that uh like the neoliberalist and capitalist agenda like you know is really driving the the problems that we that we face in society mm. not only in environmental but also social justice areas as well mm. so it's really exciting to hear uh more projects outside in that, uh, you know, demonstrating that there are alternatives for us, you know, like 25 years of a, uh, of, even more, because I feel like I've been saying that for about five years. 
of the food co-op um, downstairs at Faux, like, you know, like yeah. uh, we're really like demonstrating that, you know, a volunteer-run um, cooperative like in, can actually like, you know, exist and thrive in despite the gentrification going on in on Smith Street at the moment. And that's a really exciting uh, demonstration that, you know, there are better ways of, of doing it outside of the profit motive. Completely. Um, and I would also, you know, herald the fact that Friends of the Earth Co-op also, you know, operates as an amazing hub for people to come together, not just um, mm. an amazing cooperative, which is great, but um, a really amazing community space. And I think that that's what's really needed in particular as Melbourne becomes increasingly gentrified. We need these little hubs to bring people together, not just activists, but broader community that are interested in the same sort of things so that we can coalesce these exciting movements together. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, it's one of my uh, favourite things about uh, the Friends of the Earth building is the the amazing people who come in and out. Yeah. Um, uh, and meet outside of the the just the the general collectives that are, exist within the space, mm. but um, it's always lovely to have uh, the great um, other groups like uh, doing it ourselves Indeed. coming in and, <laughs> and chatting and um, and really like spreading the word about what's going on around because mm. uh, we talk about this three prong kind of uh, systems change approach and. It's hard because, I mean, how does someone really start to look at working in that space without kind of spreading themselves really thin or feeling like that that they need to invest every second of their life in that sort of work? Very much so. I think that um, is a beautiful segue really to the other sort of work that I do and very much... um, What uh, my passion is around making sure that our activism is sustainable because it's really a long-term game. And I think that a lot of people do get so excited about, oh, this project, this project, and that's entirely understandable and all the projects need the people. But really, um, how do we make sure that we're doing that in a sustainable way? Because otherwise, you know, it's not as joyful and the groups aren't as effective necessarily as they might otherwise be. Mm, absolutely. It's it's really something that um, has been a hot issue for me. I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, like I, I've hit those uh, those peaks uh, where you feel like, am I heading towards burnout? And mm. and heaven forbid, like thinking back a few years of, uh, after some difficult difficult times uh, mm. with some difficult people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as um, happens. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's something that... Uh, you know, like there's a slight taboo talking about it sometimes with uh, amongst activist circles. Definitely. Um, and I feel like um, the great work that uh, has been going on through through groups like Plan to Thrive mm-hmm. um, and the work that you're doing um, is really breaking down those barriers and letting people be honest and, and, and start to flag things and and, uh, uh, and let people know when uh, enough is enough. And, you know, because we are all human beings and... You know, I always think back to uh, the uh, that classic Emma Goldman quote, oh. like, you know, if there's no dancing at the revolution, well, I'm not coming, which is totally so classic me, isn't it? <laughs> but um, but um, really, what that says is, you know, like, you know, and oh, God, I feel like I'm going to be a cliche. No, you need to be yeah. the change that you want to be. I and, always say it, yeah. embrace it, embrace it. I always go, mm. um, Charles Eisenstein's like, we believe in the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible, and living that and walking the walk. I, um, I love that you referenced the Emma Goldman quote. We've actually got a Plan to Thrive event later in the year. That um, So Plan to Thrive does monthly activist well-being workshops, essentially as a little monthly reminder and encouragement for people to do a bit of self-care. And the one that we've got at the end of the year is a little bit of a celebration, an opportunity for activists to come together and we're calling it If I Can't Dance, It's Not My Revolution. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that sounds fantastic. Yeah. I look forward to, uh, to that one. <laughs> I hope so. I look forward to seeing you on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> always, always. So I'm... Um, I'm wondering, like, um, there's probably uh, people out there, um, maybe some uh, activists have been around for a while and maybe uh, a few who might be um, a little bit newer to the craft. Mm. Um, the craft, I like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was wondering if you like, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of lists, mm. and uh, I wondered uh, maybe if you'd have a uh, top three tips for uh, a burning, uh, avoiding burnout or for sustainable <laughs> activism. Let's frame it positively. Yeah, I was there. just going to say that's the yes, no. We like to go with the yes, <laughs> with a thriving in activism. Um, so yeah, I suppose just quickly before I go into my top three clickbait, you know, type list, um, <laughs> I would love to just like reiterate what you said around. Um, creating space to talk about this in our movements because I think, you know, as you said, it's really hard and I think that's one of the key aspects of why burnout happens so frequently is not just like no, not necessarily um, a lack of organisational communication around this stuff. Um, sorry, I didn't phrase that entirely well. Um, but, yeah, the idea that um, we need to talk about this is really paramount because it's happening all over the place. Mm. Um, and, you know, some research shows that the average lifespan of, of an activist is about two years um, and that's huge. Um, we really need to have more sustainable movements. We want people to be joyful in this being the change that we want to see. That is the change that we're wanting to see. We want to live in a more happy world. So we can't just martyr ourselves and hope that somehow that's going to magically translate into drawing more people into the movement and creating this this ongoing beautiful world. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just to flag that. It kind of um, brings up something that uh, I've thought about a lot um, without like uh, meaning it to shame anyone. But, mm. um, you know, like I think there's also a, responsible, a responsibility of people who've been around for a while to actually <laughs> demonstrate and, uh, you know, like uh, the good behaviours that totally. need to happen because it's quite easy, you know, like uh, we're passion driven uh, in, the, in the work that uh, goes on around activism. I mean, you know, like if it's, it's not something that you like have a mild interest in generally. Mm, totally. Like you go all, all in. <laughs> I think um, I, I remember in a workshop that I, I've been to that uh, you were running, you were kind of talking about in terms of like an addiction relationship. Yep. And that kind of uh, struck a note for me because there, there is that kind of, you know, like pleasure, 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 pleasure button. And totally. eventually you keep pressing that and it runs out. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And then you need more high to, you know, get off on it. Um, so it's a real, really awkward relationship that people can have with their activism. And I think you flagged a really important thing in terms of better role modelling. Like it's really important for people who are new to the movement, not just to see martyrs um, burning themselves out and thinking that that's, that's what I need to aspire to. Um, and yeah, it's it's a real problem. Even when you introduced me as a sort of a mentor amongst the amongst the movement, I suppose I, I cringe a little bit at that because I've always been a little bit critical of that sort of ideology um, around me when I'm seeing other people put up on a pedestal, and that that really creates an awkward relationship mm. for those coming in. Um, you know, we all do what we can do, and I, you know, yeah, <laughs> I could speak for a lot longer on that one, um, but. Yeah, should I go into the three tips for avoiding burnout? I reckon burnout? that would be great. Yeah. Everyone loves a good uh, a good little <laughs> list. <laughs> I'll probably turn it into a clickbait article at some point too. <laughs> well, that's good because I can fluff that out so much more than we probably have time for now. <laughs> um, yeah, as I was saying before, really needing to pace ourselves and not necessarily throw yourself into every little project that you see around because when we spread ourselves too thinly, that's when you really do start to see burnout. Um, you might be more effective in a couple of projects and once you can really get ahead around your capacity ongoing, um, you know, moving forward from there. And I would flag also just capacity check-ins as well whilst I'm working mm -hmm. on the word capacity. Mm -hmm. So we do that in doing it ourselves, capacity check-in and a hierarchy check-in, which yeah. is great for keeping our head around the 
idea of like anti-hierarchical movements and what we aspire to ideologically, but also heralding back to what we were just saying around um, avoiding that martyrdom at the top and having transparency around that. So I think that that comes back to a lot to having really good communication in our organisations of where the load's divided, who's doing what, and are they happy doing it, mm. um, whilst skill sharing and all of that. So yeah, one. Another one would be noticing feedback and um, what are your flags of burnout? Like maybe like write a little list. What does it look like when you're burning out? Are you not eating well? Are you not sleeping? Are you feeling stressed out? Are you begrudging your um, comrades? Um, if you are, then you're probably not so happy in your work. And sometimes we really just like push past that sort of um, integral feedback. So make a little list and get better at noticing it. Um Another one, which is just basic but really important, is scheduling time for yourself and making sure that you create space for your own mm. self-care, which so often gets left by the wayside. Um, I found it really interesting. For example, we ran an avoiding burnout workshop, very on point for this discussion. Um, Plan to Thrive's avoiding burnout workshop earlier this year was so um, very popular. We had so many people interested in it. And then on the day, we didn't get you know nearly as many people as actually were interested in it. And I felt like that was a real sign, ironically, of the fact that people weren't creating the space to avoid their own burnout, which they knew they needed to. But when the time actually came for it, they pushed it to the side because other things were more important. And that was so, um, yeah, significant. Significant. Are you saying avoidance strategies don't work? I know. <laughs> weird, huh? <laughs> Um, I think that's one of the reasons why we're really drawn at Plan to Thrive to create these monthly workshops at the moment because at the very least um, you can have a little monthly reminder to do that sort of work and, you know, I shouldn't call it work because it should be joyful, you know, going out into the forest, hanging out with your friends, finding little ways to keep your life balanced. Um, It's so important and we've created this really quite holistic calendar this year covering off on the more sort of pragmatic and cerebral um, concepts like avoiding burnout and Mm. like building your own like um, support systems but also some really lovely more joyful embodied uh, workshops like um, singing and activism and art and activism which is this month we've got woodcut footprints with a local artist and activist Yubi. Oh Yubi, fantastic. Uh, Many uh, Friends of the Earth members will know uh, her artwork as featured on a couple of our newsletters. Indeed you would. (laughs) Yubi's fantastic and we're really excited to have them come along and share their knowledges and all of the goods. Um, so yeah, check that out on Facebook, Art and Activism, or look up Plan to Thrive and check out our blog as well, because there's amazing resources there about sustaining your activism. And I would really spruik that. And I would second that as well. There are amazing resources on Plan to Thrive. Um, we are running out of time, which Ooh. is such a pity because I feel like we could talk about this for hours. We really could. <laughs> I want to thank- But we need to sustain ourselves and shut it up. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. I want to thank you so much, um, Suze, for joining me on Dirt Radio today and really encourage listeners to check out Plan to Thrive, um, also the work of doing it ourselves and go to the really, 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 really <laughs> free market <laughs> on Sunday. We're going to listen to a community service announcement. I'll be back in a moment. Thank you so much, Phil. Hello, this is Dan Salton and you're listening to 3CR Blackfellow Radio, Melbourne. Uh, you've been listening to Dirt Radio. You're on 3CR. Jump on 3cr.org.au and subscribe right now if you're not already a subscriber. But coming up next, we have the Koori Survival Show. <laughs> 